You know, when you get down to it, the auto industry is really all about product, new product. And today we're going to talk about the most important new cars that are up for the North American Car of the Year Award. Joining me today are freelance journalist Jim McCraw and WWJ News Radio automotive reporter Jeff Gilbert, because they, like me, are members of the jury for the North American Car of the Year Award. It is the only automotive award that is not tied to any kind of advertising or marketing promotion. We call it like it is. We're a jury of nearly 50 journalists from throughout the United States and Canada who work for magazines and newspapers, television and radio stations, newsletters and websites. We report and write on cars for all different kinds of audiences. Enthusiasts, commuters, families and executives. In other words, we consider all kinds of car buyers when we select the North American Car of the Year. Even though the jury has already voted on which car should get the award, we don't know who won. That announcement will be made at the press conference that kicks off the North American International Auto Show in Detroit. So stick around, because today on AutoLine, we're talking about the best new cars that are in the market right now. Visit our website for even more great content all week long. AutoLine Daily, John's Journal, podcasts, and even more. So click over and get your all-access pass to the automotive industry at AutoLineDetroit.tv. From our studios in the Motor City, this is AutoLine. Here now is John McElroy. Welcome to this discussion all about the North American Car of the Year Award and helping me determine what's going on with this award are Jeff Gilbert from WWJ News Radio 950. Great having you here, Jeff. Thanks for having and me. And Jim McCraw, who does a lot of freelancing but is particularly doing a lot of work with NewCarTestDrive.com, and great to have you here as Thanks, well, John. Jim. Okay, we, as juror members of the North American Car of the Year Award, uh, went through all different kinds of vehicles, test driving them throughout the year as they were coming out. We narrowed that down to the, the short list, and then we further winnowed that down to the finalists. And the finalists, of course, include the Buick LaCrosse, the Ford Fusion Hybrid, and the Volkswagen Golf. And we'll get into some of the other cars as well. But Jeff, let me start with you, uh, and let's start with the Buick LaCrosse since it's alphabetically yeah, the first Buick one on LaCrosse the list. Buick LaCrosse is a wonderful vehicle. It uh, is totally different than the last generation Buick LaCrosse. The last generation, way too much plastic, wasn't quite there. This one is just a gorgeous vehicle. I thought it handled nicely. It was very stylish. I thought maybe it was light on new technology and new developments that you might see in some other vehicles, like most notably some of the Ford vehicles, but overall a very good car. And we'll come back to some of those points too, but I want to get Jim's reaction as well. LaCrosse. I have to congratulate uh, Ed and the boys at GM Design. I think they Ed Wellburn, who runs GM Design, right? A wonderful job inside and out, bringing it into the 21st century and giving it the kind of interior you'd really like to spend a long time in, whether it's in a thousand short hops or going from Bangor, Maine to Tijuana. <laughs> it's, a, it's just a beautiful thing inside and out. And I, and I, I take exception to Jeff's remarks. But they have a technology at General Motors called OnStar that nobody else in the world, and it's been out there in millions and millions of units, uh, that, that nobody else has equaled yet. 
Uh, you're probably talking about the sync system. And uh, some no, of the, not so much sync, but I was talking about blind spot detection, cross traffic warnings, some of those automatic other braking. extras. And, and OnStar has been around for years. I'm talking about something brand new, something that I get in the car and go, wow. I never had this in a car before, and I want one of these. But I still think that people will look at the new LaCrosse and go, wow. And, it, you know, one of the things that I think is a wow in that car is the backseat legroom. And, I mean, that's, that's not a technical thing to talk about, but when you're sitting in the backseat, it's pretty terrific. Yes, I'm 6'4", and I know all about what you're talking about. <laughs> hey, you were just giving kudos to uh, Ed Welburn and GM design staff. Uh, one thing that I find very interesting on the LaCrosse is most Buicks these days have the port holes on the side of the car, but they put them on top of the hood, which is kind of weird. What do you make of that, Jim? I could live with Buicks without any port holes from now and forever. Uh, the, why they keep them, that, that just the vestige that goes back to 1949, probably. I have no idea why they're still there. Well, I, I they can don't tell need you exactly. it to make a beautiful car. Well, they don't car. need it. Nobody needs portholes these days, but nobody needs those uh, fender vents either, which everyone everywhere. seems to be going with. And I think it's, it's appropriate for Buick to go back to the portholes because there's so much of the population out there that recognize, boy, if it's got portholes, that's a Buick. It's a way of instantly identifying what the car is. So I agree, functionality-wise, no, they don't need them whatsoever. <laughs> but from a styling standpoint, and that's why I was asking, I think it helps identify it as a Buick. But as a population they're trying to attract to Buick, the people who remember the portholes, those are the people they've got already. No, they're not. Are the people <laughs> who remember the portholes. They want to get some new buyers in there who don't care about portholes. Although I think it's a, it's a, it's a cool design cue. Yeah, you know, for me, the exterior styling, it doesn't quite do it for me, but I love the interior of that car. I especially love the layout on the dashboard. I, I agree completely. It's just a wonderful place to be. <laughs> really like it. Okay, let's go down the list here of finalists. And Jeff, Ford Fusion Hybrid made the finalist list. Ford Fusion Hybrid, I liked both the hybrid and the regular version of the Fusion. It was a, a terrific improvement from the previous generation. Uh, the hybrid, of course, beats the Toyota Camry in terms of uh, mileage. Uh, Toyota Camry Hybrid, I think we've heard that a time or two from Ford uh, here and there. They've, they've promoted that. They've it not got, only beats the Camry Hybrid, beats it by a, by a huge mile, margin. Yeah. And uh, the, the other thing is they've got the cool little technology in there with the leaps falling that, that people can play with. So it's a very nice vehicle, and the system is extremely seamless. You drive the hybrid, you don't necessarily feel like you're driving a hybrid. And, and again, the Fusion itself is a dramatically improved car, and we have to remember this isn't a total redo. This is just a mid-cycle refreshing, and they did all this. Yeah, no, that's an extremely important part, our, our mm -hmm. point to bring up, that it's a mid-cycle refreshing. But boy, they went down. Down the checklist, they fixed everything on that car. And, and Jim, your reaction to the, the hybrid? I agree. I, the, the, um, the way that they've integrated the hybridness of the hybrid into the car for a human being to work with is, I think, far better than any other hybrid out there. The, the growing, you know, the, the more carefully you drive, the more leaves grow on your little personal tree. They thought long and hard about that. How do we make the driver really get into it with us, for us, for their own benefit, to get this great mileage? So 
you can watch a tree grow on your dashboard. And Terrific one, interface. You know, one other interesting thing they did is we were told a while ago for a hybrid to make a splash, it had to look special. So what did GM do with all their hybrids? They painted hybrid all along the side. In big in letters. big, big letters. The Fusion Hybrid is doing well, but you just have to look for a little hybrid sticker on the back. It's understated. Great point. Uh, do you think we'll see more of that going forward then, where companies feel, hey, we don't have to make it look very different? I'd like to see more of that going forward. Of course, it, that particular strategy didn't work well for Honda when they had the uh, Civic and Accord hybrid. So I think a lot depends on the technology of the vehicle, too. You know, one thing that I liked about the, the Fusion Hybrid is you can get it up to almost 50 miles an hour in pure electric mode, which is much higher than Toyota or Honda provide you with. And uh, also, you know, it's rated at, what, 40, 41, I think, miles per gallon. That's almost what the Honda Insight is, which is a smaller car. I think real world, there's no question, the Honda will deliver better fuel economy than the Fusion Hybrid, but I think that caught everybody by surprise, especially Honda and Toyota, that the Fusion rated that high. Well, the, the two pure hybrids that are sold in this country, the Insight and the Prius, they obviously, they went way out of their way to, to make people say, oh, that's a hybrid because they are so weird looking. <laughs> the Fusion gives the buying public a way of getting a fusion that looks like every other fusion, but it's a hybrid. And as Jeff said, there's a little tiny green leaf on the deck lid, not letters this high or a chrome logo this big. And it's one of a number of choices. You can get a four-cylinder, a V6. There's a sport version. You can get all-wheel drive. So if you look at the whole breadth of the fusion line plus the hybrid, that's pretty good stuff. And it, I think yeah. they did a great job on advancing what they started with. And again, comparing it to the inside of the Prius, yes, both of those vehicles get better fuel economy, but the Fusion feels more like your basic mid-size car and you're not making as many compromises. One thing I did not like in the voting this year for the North American Car of the Year is that we split the Fusion Hybrid separately from the rest of the Fusion line. And one of the reasons I say that is I actually like the base version of the, the Fusion a lot. With the four-cylinder engine, six-speed automatic transmission, a whole lot less money. I mean, you, you can get it eight, nine thousand dollars cheaper than the hybrid, at least the hybrid that I drove. And I like that one a lot. And I, I, I kind of wish that we had kept the whole Fusion line together and not broken the hybrid version out to vote on it separately. I don't know what you guys think. No, I, I would agree with I agree. you. And, and if you take a look at the other nominee, the Golf, it comes in a number of different varieties as well, and it wasn't broken out. And let's talk about the Golf. What's your uh, reaction to that car? Because it's, it is one yeah, of the finalists. It's a nice, mid a nice small car. I didn't get as much time in it as I would like, so I, I'm hoping to get a little more time in it as we judge the three finalists because we get to vote again at that particular point. Because if you recall from the New York Auto Show, the Golf was actually named World Car of the Year this year. So th there's a lot to like about it, but uh, I don't know. I, I would... It was a surprise finalist for me. Mm -hmm. Jim, what's your reaction to the golf? Well, I'm so old. I've been around since the first generation <laughs> golf in 1975, which was a Giugiaro design. And I, I think that, that Walter De Silva, just talking about exterior design. And Walter De they, Silva, of course, being the head of design at VW. They have done such a wonderful job of evolving that car. I, when I see one, I look at it like a little bank vault. Every seam is as small as it can possibly be. You close the door and it goes thunk like a big car, but it's a small car, but it's just built like a bank vault. I love the thing. I, I love the way the, the cars drive and everything. I, 
and maybe you're right, maybe they've got it right of just evolving this design over the years, but I almost have to take a second look these days and go, is that the new one? Because it is such a subtle evolution. Think tail lamps. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's about it. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. Okay, let's look at uh, some of the other vehicles on the list. Uh, Chevrolet Camaro. I was kind of surprised it did not make the finalist list. I thought it would. I gave it points. I especially loved the base version with the V6 engine. I think it, from a fuel economy standpoint, 29 miles to the gallon highway. From a pricing standpoint, what is it, 22,000 or something like that? I thought it offered a tremendous amount of value. But Jeff, what was your well, reaction? The, what you said about the V6 nails it perfectly because I had the V6 last summer when the vehicle first came out. I had to wait until just a couple of weeks ago to drive the V8, and I was amazed that there wasn't as much. There was difference, yes, but not as much as I thought. So the V6 was wonderful. Uh, the interior, for what it was, you know, for for that kind of of car at that kind of price, I think they made it look nice. It doesn't look like your typical GM interior. I know some people have complained that it's not the greatest, but I still think they did a nice job on it. And there, there were a couple of blind spots that bothered me, but other than that, I like the vehicle and I gave it some points too. And Jim, your reaction, Camaro? Um, not for me. Why it, not? It, well, again, I was there in 68 when they brought it around. There's 67 when they brought the first one. This, it looks porky to me. I, w I do give them uh, good credit for the V6 combination, uh, over 300 horsepower in a V6 that gets decent economy when you couple it with a, you know, a six-speed transmission, but it just f always felt porky to me, like it should weigh 500 pounds less than it does, and it, it kind of looks that way to me, too. See, when I, when I was young, I lusted for the Camaro too, and then it was sad to see what happened to that vehicle toward the end of its life, and to see it come back as something that, that really is going gangbusters in the marketplace and something that's worth lusting over again. I, I think that in itself is an achievement. I, I'm with you, Jim. It is porky looking, and it is heavy, but I still like the way it looks. Boy, that car still turns my head. And the porkiness doesn't bother me in the sense, the weight of the car doesn't bother me too much in the sense that it goes like a scalded cat and it gets decent fuel economy. So I'm not too worried about the, the, the weight of the thing. I do think that the interior suffers. I think they did a good job of putting in sort of cheap plastic and making it look good. But I hope going forward now that GM has cleaned out all its legacy costs that it will make the investment to put a couple of hundred dollars more into the interior and they better do that going forward. And then they will get cars like the Camaro on the finalist list. Yeah. I, I'd just like to interject here that we are three of the 50 journalists from all over the place who are in, in radio and television and Internet and magazines and newspapers in Boston and Washington and New York and Miami. And everybody has a slightly different view depending on who they are and where they work. So um, it all added up that the Camaro did not make it for and whatever reason. You raise a really good point because we are almost 50 journalists from all over the United States and Canada who write for all different kinds of audiences. And what this award really captures is the collective wisdom of so many of us whose job it is to go out and test drive these cars. So it is the best award in that regard, no and question I, And I don't it. think a lot of people understand how the point system is given where you have a number of points you can give to different cars and you can't stack them all for one favorite. So I think the way that it was designed was designed very well to get a consensus as opposed to a favorite. Yep, let's go down the list here more. BMW 335D, Jim? Torque. Boy, oh boy, does it have torque. It is really fun to drive, and 
and it's a shame that we couldn't have got to this level of diesel technology 25 years ago. There'd be lots more diesels out there on the highway now uh, because this one is so good. It's really got all the performance and it looks like all the other three series, which I think is a good thing. Um, I'm a little, <laughs> little puzzled why, again, with the, you know, breaking out the diesel, why didn't we just nominate the whole three series? Yeah, good point, Jeff. I think the whole three series came out, might have been nominated last year. Yeah, I think this is the yeah, diesel so this, version. The diesel just came a, out a year later, yep. so I think that's why. And that was one of the reasons I, that I didn't give it any points is, okay, it's one variation on a series that came out last year. Was it that much different? Yes, I agree with you, Jim. It was a lot of fun to drive, and it was really hard to say uh, that this is a diesel. There was no smell, no noise. It just it just drove it, it, as nicely as any three series, maybe even a little bit better. In maybe a little bit nicer, but I think you make a good point that because the car had come out last year, probably a lot of jurors said, you know, we're really just voting for an engine, and this is the car of the year, so they're not going to go that way. One Another one that kind of surprised me not making the list, the Kia Soul. I, I labored over that. Uh, I ended up not giving it points. I, I don't know about you, but when I break down the points and I go, should I do this, should I do that? And then at the end I thought, you know, I wanted to give the Kia Soul like two or three points just because it was so unique, it was so cool, and every time I got in that car, it put a smile on my face. But I knew it wasn't going to win, and I was afraid it would take it away from somebody else. But that was a fun little car. It was probably the most fun I've ever had in a Kia. Really? Well, you should have put it on the list. No, but as I looked at the other nominees, I thought there were, I thought there were better, better vehicles, okay. more deserving vehicles out there. But I, I, really, I really enjoyed that vehicle. Jim, your reaction, Kia Soul. I agree. It, it is just as cute as can be. It has all the right ingredients in terms of a low initial price, easy to insure. What is it, about $16,000 or thereabouts? That. Right. And against the guys from that other company that introduced the baby car, this was a lot more rational design <laughs> than the other guy, which is obviously not even on the short list. Um, I, I drove it in uh, initially in Miami, Florida which is a pretty jaundiced place, and people were doing this one all over the place. What's that? Because it's cute. Yeah, I like the Kia Soul a whole lot. Uh, everywhere I went, people were asking about it. If I had any criticism about it, and you know, this isn't all that much of a criticism because the price is low, but a very plasticky interior, a lot of pro polypropylene, or, or as the designers call it, <laughs> polywarpaline. And uh, not that it was warped, but it, it's very susceptible to scuffing. And in fact, the car I got in had a couple of scuff marks in it because the, the, the plastic is just very susceptible and to it that happening. it doesn't polish out. It's it does, there yeah. for good. Exactly right. Okay, uh, other end of the spectrum, Porsche Panamera. Oh, it was a lot of fun to drive. And by the way, that was another one that I, I labored over giving some points to. And at the end of the day, I didn't just because it was everything that I expected in a vehicle like that. And I went back and I reread the, uh, the rules, the criteria, and it just, to me, it wasn't the groundbreaker that was worth giving the points to. Wonderful car, a lot of fun to drive. If I had a spare $100,000, I may put my money down on it. Uh, a little weird technology, the start-stop engine, like a hybrid was there, and I actually had that fail on me one time when I tried to pull out in traffic and the car just totally stalled out. 
But uh, other than that, it was just a lot of fun to drive, but it just, it just did not hit me as a vehicle that was groundbreaking. See, you're the second person to tell me that they had the car just conk out on them. Uh, although the other person who told me that was for a different reason. Okay. So yeah, Jim, your reaction to the Porsche Panamera. My first exposure to the car was on Pacific Coast Highway in the most expensive version, a loaded black turbo. And for a day, I was a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> it, the thing is so quick and so fast, it is just deceptive. When you first you walk up to it, and it's this large four-door sedan, and you think, oh, but boy, oh boy, is it quick and fast, and it handles. I later drove it at Road America as, as fast as I was willing to go, and it did everything absolutely right. I, I wanted to point out one thing that they do not have, and that's a human-machine interface. They went exactly in the opposite direction. The dashboard comes down in this beautiful array, and if there's a function you want, you just touch the on-off button. And as an owner, you'll learn where everything that is in a pretty short time instead of pushing and twisting and looking at the screen to see if you did it right. I think I give them a lot of credit for that. The interior is gorgeous, and I have this much headroom in the back seat and you're that's a tall guy, four. so yeah, that's pretty good. Okay, let's come back down uh, the line again. Suzuki Kazashi. Boy, the Suzuki people love that vehicle. They were promoting it heavily. It was probably the best Suzuki I've ever driven, but it didn't quite, you know, when you compare it to a Fusion or before what the benchmark set by an Accord or a Camry, it just wasn't quite there. Okay, we're moving it fast now, so I'm going to jump to Jim and go with the Toyota Prius. <laughs> Sorry, puts me right to sleep. It, it just doesn't do a thing for me anymore. Before, you know, the first and second generations, they were so new and so, you know, the mileage numbers were, uh, what is it, 50 city and 48 highway. That's, that's, those are numbers to conjure with, but I just, I look at it and I go, oh, it's another Prius. Okay. Didn't do a thing for me. Honda Insight, their purpose-built hybrid. Looks like they were kind of designed in the same place at the same time, and they put different logos on them. I, yeah, sorry. I, I found the inside a little clunky to drive. The, the system didn't seem smooth. It seemed like a budget hybrid to me. And uh, Ford Taurus and Taurus uh, Show. See, this is where I'm different. I love the Taurus. That was my favorite car of the year. Uh, Jim and I were talking about that earlier. He didn't care for the design, but you get inside that vehicle, and it was beautiful. The show really moved. And like I was talking about earlier, lots of technology that nobody else has. It may not be as affordable as the old Taurus, but that's an apples and oranges comparison. You just have to consider this a brand new vehicle. Okay, Jim, a uh, new Mercedes E-Class. Wow. As with things like the Panamera, you get above a certain price point on our jury of, of people and you just go out of consideration. It starts at a very high number. They also have some really good new technology, but it's a very expensive car. They're caught up in the euro versus dollar problem the way all the Europeans are, uh, but it's a swell car to drive. I love the car as well. Uh, I thought it was terrific from a driving standpoint. But the E-Class has always been that way. And, and for me, it's in like... In terms of needle moving. It didn't move the needle a lot, which is, you know, I don't want to criticize Mercedes for that. They're doing beautiful cars, terrific cars. 
but it's not like they've broken out and done something really bold and different. And I think a lot of us in the jury are looking for what is the coolest thing? Who's really moved the needle this but year? But they do have the drowsy driver alert, which went off while I was driving one time wide awake and scared the fool out of me. <laughs> <laughs> How does that work? It has a little thing. It's got a little cup of coffee on it. You haven't seen that? No, I haven't you, seen that. Where it's, it's, it's watching your movements as uh, you're driving, and it, it gives you a warning if you're dozing off. And I'm listening to the radio, and all of a sudden this alarm goes off and I'm wondering what's happening and I'm figuring that's what it's got to be but it scared the fool out of me. (laughs) Hey look we're going to take a quick break here but I'm going to have you guys come back here and I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to ask for your prediction as to which car will win the car of the year and we'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back to our discussion all about the North American Car of the Year Award. And Jeff Gilbert, WWJ News Radio 950, I'm putting you on the spot. What is your prediction of which car will win? It's going to be close between the LaCrosse and the Fusion Hybrid, but I think it's going to be the Fusion Hybrid. Okay, Jim McCraw with NewCarTestDrive.com. You're on the spot now. Which one? From my spot, I think the Buick's going to do it. I really do. Okay, from my spot... I'm going to go with Jeff. I think the Fusion Hybrid's going to win it. This is just my guess of what the jury's going to go with, but that's my guess. Hey, join us again next week when we do this thing all over again, except that we're going to look at the North American Truck of the Year Award. And joining me for that show will be Mark Phelan from the Detroit Free Press and Michelle Krebs from Edmunds.com. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week.